Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Hey, and welcome to Make It Rain. I'm your host, Mary-Kate. And I'm Ashley. Oh, uh, actually, those aren't our names. I'm Hillary. And I'm Elizabeth. And uh, we're the hosts of this new podcast, Make It Rain, on Yahoo Lifestyle. You can subscribe to us on iTunes if you want. We know you do. So on this podcast, we're going to be talking all things royals. And uh, with just a few days left to go until the royal wedding, we thought, what better way than to kick it off talking about... About marriage, love and marriage. People don't know that we talk about the royals every single day. It's embarrassing, truly. We have very little in our lives. I think finally they were like, can we just record them because they will not stop talking? That's uh, that's what it's all about. Exactly. So, okay, before we get into all the wedding pomp and circumstance and all that fun stuff, let's rewind just a bit and uh, kind of go through this insanely intricate timeline of Harry and Meghan's true love story. Let's go back. (laughs) Okay, so from what I understand, Meghan and Harry met in summer of 2016. That's right. They were apparently set up on a blind date. I want to know who can set me up on a blind date with Prince Harry or any other like lower tier royal that would be cool yeah i need to make all of new friends because to be set up on a blind date with prince harry that's like a visually impaired date because it's not (laughs) it's not totally blind because how could you not know who prince harry is right and this is the whole thing is that prince harry has been quoted as basically saying that he didn't know who Meghan markle was when they were set up on this date which like uh i kind of call bullshit on that like don't you You want to check out who you're going on a date with, especially if you're, you know, not the next in line for the throne. But hey, you might get there. You don't want to have like some kind of freakish future bride. I don't know. Totally. And one other thing, like there has to have been like a last minute Google right before he walked into the restaurant. Like, how do you know? Is she wearing like a we're both wearing red roses on our lapels and that's (laughs) how you'll know who you're going on a date with. Yeah, um, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, And she, you know obviously knew who he was but she's probably trying to play it cool apparently she was in a relationship at the time so there's a little added drama there so rumor has it that megan was actually dating a canadian chef named Corey vidiello when she first met harry and vidiello was a chef at a popular restaurant in toronto called the harvard room and he runs a chicken chain of restaurants called flock that's why she always used to post pictures of flock on her instagram did she Mm-hmm. lots of chicken dinners at home so vidiello and markle were allegedly dating for two years this isn't just kind of like a casual relationship thing but i think feel like if you had the chance to date a prince, would you take it? Yeah, but don't tell anyone that. So a few weeks after their first date, um, <laughs> Harry actually took Meghan to Botswana for uh, a camping trip. A classic first date. <laughs> classic second date, I guess. You know, first comes a nice dinner, then a camping trip to Botswana. I would actually tap out. Like, that's exactly where I would be like, you know what? We've had a great run, Ginger Prince, but this girl does not camp. 
whatsoever. Uh, yeah, camping, not for me, but apparently it was okay for Megan. Rumors are kind of swirling around Harry and Megan for a few months until about November when Kensington Palace kind of confirms everything. And the statement is really like a first of its kind. But, you know, people aren't always happy with this because people are, you know, kind of starting to dig into Meghan Markle and finding stuff they can say about her that isn't... Uh, isn't super great, including the fact that she's not only divorced, but she's also biracial, which kind of led to like a lot of media scrutiny, uh, especially from kind of the the more tabloidy papers. Yeah. And, you know, the press can be ruthless, but Prince Harry basically issuing this statement on behalf of Kensington Royal, which reports say was actually penned by him himself. And one of my favorite bloggers, uh, Lainey Gossip, she's calling this the love shield by Prince Harry. So it's basically a threat to the press to stay away from his girlfriend um, and basically stop digging into her past, stop trying to bring up the fact that, hey, Maybe she was married before, or maybe she was dating a guy who owns a chicken empire in Toronto. <laughs> so it's it's really unprecedented for them. You know, I think that's somebody who's obviously very in love or enamored mm-hmm. by Megan. So December, Harry and Megan are kind of spotted canoodling, <laughs> canoodling um, around town. And then in March 2017, they go to Jamaica. For a, a friend's wedding. Which is a big deal, like, to be invited yeah. to a friend's wedding. And then in April 2017, something truly horrible happens. Megan shuts down her lifestyle blog, The Tig. Ugh. It's basically the budget version of Goop or Blake Lively's short-lived Preserve. Oh, my God. Do you remember Preserve? Uh, yes, I do. I wanted a $900 coat that was advertised on there. Wow. Yeah, I know. What happens next? Um, they go on Africa, on a holiday to Africa. And uh... yeah, everybody thought that this was going to be the trip where he proposed because mm-hmm. Prince William proposed to Kate Middleton in Africa as well. But Harry doesn't play by those rules. Spoiler so alert. It did not happen. Didn't happen. Um, but in September, Meghan Markle, lo and behold, pops up on the cover of Vanity Fair Uh, Where she kind of says, like, yeah, we are a couple and we're in love. And this is for us. Personally, I love a great love story. Yeah, me too, Megan. It should have been me. (laughs) It should have been me. It should have been all of us. But this is a really big deal because up until now, like, Megan kind of had a level of fame you know, Suits is on to Netflix. Us, to, yeah. to some of us, especially like in Canada. We knew her. Yeah, we knew her. People in Toronto obviously knew her maybe a little bit more from seeing her around. But for Meghan Markle to go from, you know, maybe a more obscure magazine to Vanity Fair is kind of like being booked on a Hallmark Lifetime channel movie and then <laughs> getting an Academy Award. Okay, so then for us in Toronto, we were all super excited about this because later in the month, the pair kind of went public at the Invictus Games in Toronto and it was very PDA filled which is like you know Will and Kate are so different from Harry and Meghan in that they're not really touchy-feely and a lot of people say that's kind of just them personally and also because Will you know is in line for the throne second maybe first in line depending on who you talk to so they're kind of a bit more reserved but Harry and Meghan were very touchy very in love very touchy that was divisive, I mean, in itself. Like, some people love that, and they're really happy to kind of see these new modern royals ushered in. But some people just give Megan a lot of shit. 
First of all, <laughs> I am one of those people. And this is actually one of those moments, the first time that I've kind of uh, shit all over her outfit choices because she looked great. She was wearing that boyfriend shirt. Is it mm-hmm. husband shirt or boyfriend The husband sh- shirt. The husband shirt, yep. which foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, but she was wearing ripped jeans. And I think, just hear me out. Okay, I'm if here. If this is your first, like you're dating a prince. You're not just dating like a rock star or something. <laughs> Which, I mean, who I wouldn't turn that away either. Sorry. But, uh, like, you're wearing a ripped jean when you know that these photos are going to be everywhere. That was my first... Yeah, and you also know you're going to get criticized because, like, there's no way she, as a modern woman, doesn't read royal fashion gossip. And people get so pissed off when Kate Middleton wears or doesn't wear, like, a pair of nylons. You know, you're playing in a, a completely different league. Like, this is, like, a level of exposure that none of us could even imagine having like royals are next level than you know a celebrity or an actress but so that was my first sign that maybe Megan was going to do things a little bit differently but I loved seeing them at the Invictus games together because I mean it was on home turf it was in Toronto it was it was really sweet moment to see them and I mean like it seems like uh that was kind of the general perception and it was really a precursor to what came next, which was, drumroll please, the engagement announcement. So November 27th, they announced their engagement. A few months before that, Megan quit Suits or announced that she was quitting Suits and moved to London. She left one of her dogs here in Toronto, so yep. maybe there's a fan sighting somewhere <laughs> so you can find him. And that's a lot of stuff. And it has all led us to this this wedding that is, it's coming up. It's coming up. It's in just a few days. Megan has given up a lot for Harry. I mean, we kind of joke about it and say, like, I would give up and I, I would give anything up to date slash marry a bona fide royal. But I mean, like, truly, she has. She's, I mean, like, what, whatever you th- thought about her lifestyle website, she shuttered that. She's giving up acting. She changed religions. She for changed him. religions. Like, it's. It's a lot. Yeah. To some extent, Megan wanted fame. That's me. I feel that way for anybody who is like in a public, you know, role or whether or not they're like, you know, an actress or a musician, like they don't mind being seen. But, you know, if someone was to be like, hey, Elizabeth, would you want to be a princess? I'd say absolutely not because I don't want my asymmetrical face photographed all the time. (laughs) That's just my number one concern. The pressure to be on all the time Mm -hmm. and photographed. I mean, that's a level of scrutiny that I don't know if I'm cut out for personally. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I I think your face is quite nice. Oh, thank you. Um, But someone once told me that my face was as long as their hallway. So, like, I get that. I don't want my hallway face to be (laughs) photographed around, you know, my future husband, Prince, whatever of Kent or Or wherever he's going to be. Yeah, so, I mean, I get the scrutiny and we all see, like... I think that with these, this kind of group of royals, like Prince Harry and even like Princess Eugenie and that kind of like the more modern royals, it's it's definitely less scrutiny than we've seen historically, even with, you know, like Will and Kate. But still, it's a lot. It is a lot. And, you know, the, the group of royals like Prince Harry and Kate Middleton uh, and Prince William, they're referred to as the firm, air quotes around that, which I mean... Anybody naming their group of people, like, that reminds me of, like, being in the sixth grade and being like, we're the Fab Five if you want to <laughs> hang with us. Like, But, I mean, so they're a very tight-knit group. And 
there's really going to be nobody else in this world who understands what you're going through but Kate Middleton. So perfect. It's uh, I mean, at least you got some friend there. Okay, so moving on to the actual wedding, in terms of the royal family, it's kind of on the cusp because Prince Harry is fifth in line for the throne. So that means that he still had to get permission from Queen Elizabeth to get married. But it's only the top six in succession that need permission. So he's kind of like right on the edge. Apparently he asks permission. I mean, that obviously seemed to go well. They're getting married. But Meghan and the Queen apparently bonded over, like, their love of corgis and just kind of like the usual stuff, which makes me wonder, like, does Queen Elizabeth really care that much at this point? And that's a good point because, first of all, Meghan apparently went to celebrate Christmas with the royals at Sandringham. Yes. And she apparently bought Queen Elizabeth a singing hamster because I guess they do joke gifts, which is thrifty. But (laughs) thrifty and fun. But I mean, I feel like when it comes to Queen Elizabeth, that's my homegirl. That's my like, Mm -hmm. that's my ride or die. That's me to a T. Mm -hmm. I'll explain that in another episode. (laughs) I feel like she really cares about Charles and she really cares about Prince William. I think to some extent, there's just a happiness in seeing Prince Harry calm, settled, focused. And, you know, now he has this fiance who, for all intents and purposes, is a good match and she's photogenic and beautiful and likable. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like on paper, and this is something that we've talked about a lot, Megan is not at all a, an ideal partner, like to to the royals, at least. She's 36. She's older than Harry. She's older than Harry. American. She's American. She's divorced and she's biracial. To the British monarchy, I'm I'm not saying that I know for a fact that having a biracial partner is uh, frowned upon, but I would think, you know, it's very waspy. It's very, like, white, <laughs> for it lack is. of a better word. Like, there's no other way to say it. No. Everybody up until now, at least publicly, has been with someone who's white. And I don't think that the uh, biracial aspect is the only thing. I mean, we're looking at the fact that she's an actress, and I think the American and divorced uh, parts of her background are really notable because, you know, times have changed. And there was another scandal in royal history where all of these traits were not allowed to be, you weren't allowed to marry somebody. Yeah. And we uh, we actually spoke to royal expert and royal historian Carolyn Harris about that. So here's what she had to say. I'm Carolyn Harris. I teach history at the University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies. And I'm the author of Raising Royalty, A Thousand Years of Royal Parenting. Now we're seeing the pool of available royal spouses expanding even further as Prince Harry's marrying Meghan Markle. She's a divorcee. She's American at the time of the Queen's uncle, um, Edward VIII. That Those were not considered suitable attributes for royal spouse. Edward VIII had to abdicate to marry Wallace Simpson. And now we're seeing Meghan Markle welcomed into the royal family. So over the course of the 20th century and now the 21st century, the pool of who's considered an acceptable royal spouse has expanded from royal to nobility, to to people of various walks of life, to, to divorced persons being accepted as well. 
the Queen's younger sister, Princess Margaret, uh, decided not to marry Peter Townsend, who was the innocent party in a divorce case. He was a World War II flying ace who'd become a, a group captain, equerry to, uh, to King George VI. But because he was divorced, he wasn't considered a suitable royal spouse. And so Princess Margaret decided ultimately not to marry him. Uh, whereas we're seeing now, later in the Queen's reign, Meghan Markle being welcomed into the royal family. So there's a sense of, we, we t- tend to think of the royal family as being very traditional and following traditions that have been set down for hundreds of years. And there certainly are traditions within the royal family that have remained unchanging. The coronation service is more than a thousand years old. But the royal family and the monarchy itself is a more dynamic institution than we often think. And it changes with the social conditions of the times. And so now we're seeing that Prince Harry is able to marry his choice of bride, whereas Princess Margaret was, was not able to make the, the initially the marriage that she wanted. So one of the things that's always a hot topic here at the Yahoo offices uh, is whenever Megan and Harry make a public appearance. It is our busiest day. You know, we've tried to like plan our schedules around it because we know that it's going to get a lot of traction. And Megan is really playing a more public role than Kate Middleton was prior to her wedding. I mean, we're in the home stretch, but it was really ramping up almost every day her and Harry were yeah I mean like kind of towards the end of April there was that two-week stretch where she was like out on a Friday and then a Saturday and then a Monday and then a Wednesday and it's just like dear god that's a lot of public appearances leading up to something that's really big like when I moved this summer, I got stress acne from like going out of the house for like <laughs> yeah. for like an hour a day and trying to get boxes. Like I would not do that leading up to my wedding. No, I would be curled into a fetal position, hyperventilating, <laughs> just trying to diet to get down to my goal weight. Like that's exactly what I would be doing. But Megan really to us, it looks like she's taken to the public eye like a fish to water, but for a couple of royal watchers That hasn't been the case. I mean, we saw the bobble with the curtsying at Christmas. Um, A lot of people have been taking note of how much she touches her hair. And people, present company included, (laughs) have not been a fan of her choices in dress. Okay, tell us about your hate for her over-the-shoulder jacket that she wore a few weeks ago. Okay, so I just want to preface this by saying I don't hate Meghan Markle. I started out really loving her, but I feel like a kind of protective younger sister thing for Prince Harry where I'm like, he seems really in love. She's a social climbing actress, potentially. That's just me saying that. (laughs) So I kind of am just like on pins and needles to see if this is actually going to work or just, you know, is he going to get his heart broken? So let's talk about that blazer a little bit. That was for a Commonwealth Youth Organization event. It was, from what our British colleagues have told us, one of the hottest days. So I get it. You maybe want to wear like a light layer, like a breathable fabric. Draping a blazer over your shoulders when you know you're going to be shaking hands with everybody is just so unprofessional. It's so ladies who lunch. It's so like country club, second wife. The kids are at boarding school. Like, it looked like she was already living her role 10 years into the future. I was so perturbed. I <laughs> was so angry. Hillary had to calm me down. But then she it made she made it worse by taking off the jacket and revealing it was like this spaghetti strap midi dress. Mm-hmm. 
beautiful, but I'm sorry, if Prince Harry can wear a three-piece suit, you can put on something that has a nice little cap sleeve. (laughs) And that's all I have to say about that. Ruthless. When we're talking about the royal wedding, like, obviously one of the questions that everyone is wondering is, what is she going to wear? And will she kind of break protocol with that? I mean, like, it is a tradition that royal brides, like many brides, wear kind of white or shade of cream or something on the lighter side, which is something that actually was started by Queen Victoria back in 1840. Before that... Whoa, look at that knowledge you this just spit out there. Anything uh, for royal fashion, I'm your gal. Which is kind of cool because before that, royal brides actually wore blue or gold. And our girl, Queen Victoria, wanted to signify that she was pure and uh, worthy of marriage, I guess. Basically, what you're saying is if you and I were to ever get married, we'd be like dressed in black. Yeah, but don't tell my mom that. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Mrs. Hagerman. No one listen. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but you're right. I think when we're speculating about what she's going to wear, one of the things is typically it is a British designer. And, you know, all the materials for all the fabrics for royal wedding dresses need to be made in the UK. So right now, everybody who's been speculating, I guess if you look at it, it is a narrow window of what she's going to wear. I do think she's going to wear white. Do you- and you do think she's going to wear British? I think she has to. I... I'm torn on this, and I think, like, I wouldn't be shocked if she didn't just because of her, you know, she clearly doesn't fit into the mold. So I wouldn't be shocked if she went with a different designer, like, I don't know, Ralph and Russo or something like that. Ralph and Russo, we've, I mean, we've been talking about this. They're having a big year. I mean, aside, before that engagement photo, you know, they've had J-Lo wear a whole bunch of their stuff. Britney Spears. Yeah, well... That's like if it's good enough for Britney. That's like Britney went to like Nordstrom and someone was like, "Here, Brit, try this." But no, so I think a way to appeal to you know even cement herself more with the British people is to wear a British designer. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think I think it's important. But I don't think it's going to be Alexander McQueen. I think that's for Kate, and she'll probably wear like Burberry. Maybe she'll wear Jenny Packham. You never know. A Jenny Packham. Jenny Packham does like stunningly beautiful wedding dresses that I bookmark for my potential wedding, um, which I will somehow have $5,000 to spend on a wedding dress. Podcast royalties, come on. That's right. That's that's how we make money. But yeah, I mean, I would love to see her in Burberry or something like that. Something kind of like, I want to see her in something fashion forward, but that's why I really loved Kate's Alexander McQueen dress because it was, I thought it was kind of like, it wasn't risque, but it was... Definitely not like super traditional. And I thought it was kind of a departure for her for someone who like doesn't seem like she has a ton of personal style. I like that about her. I feel like she's someone who maybe wears things because they're by certain people. I don't know if unlike a Meghan Markle, she would take risks or put things together herself. Obviously, she has a stylist, but you're right. I think that's one of the things about Kate Middleton is she's like, Jenny Packham? Great. I'll always wear Jenny Packham. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll talk about who's on the guest list, whether Meghan Markle's dad will actually walk her down the aisle, and uh, who the heck is paying for this thing? Please don't leave us.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Let's talk about who gets to go to the royal wedding. This is something we've been talking about a lot because the guest list seems a bit different from your usual royal wedding. When Will and Kate got married, obviously it it was kind of it was a really big melting pot of, you know, political dignitaries and people uh from other royal families and there's the people that you have to invite. It's like exactly. any wedding where, you know, you have to invite so-and-so because they're your mom's friend. And, you know, there's the people that have to be there. Unlike, you know, Will and Kate's wedding, it's a much smaller venue. As Hillary was saying, it's a very different guest list where it's not political. So we're not going to be seeing, um, I don't even want to say this, Trump. I was going to say, pres- uh, well, we're not going to be seeing that guy who's the in office in the United States. I think that's why they're making it apolitical, but that's just me. I think that was like a slight little skirt around the issue by Harry and Meghan. I was very surprised when they didn't invite, you know, like Justin Justin and Sophie Trudeau, who they seem to be quite close with, or even the Obamas. Like that did strike me a bit odd. So I also do wonder if it's a bit of a cop out so they don't have to invite. Totally. Voldemort. (laughs) Yeah, they don't have to invite Orange Voldemort. But, you know, the other thing, too, is one of Meghan's best friends styles Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. So I thought maybe there that would be some kind of friendship link that would get them an invite. But we're seeing a lot of, um, I was about to say peasants. We're seeing a lot of peasants invited to this wedding or members of the public. I think that's the nice way to say it. Members of the public invited to this wedding. But we're still seeing some star power. We talked to Carolyn Harris, who's a royal expert here in Toronto, for her thoughts on the guest list. In this case, they're keeping the guest list to friends, family members, people they've met through royal engagements and charities and and royal events of various kinds. They're even limiting the the number of members of the press who who are able to be there. And they're they're making this a smaller wedding, so they're not so much following in the footsteps of Charles and Diana or William and Kate, but following in the footsteps of Prince Harry's uncle, Prince Edward, who married Sophie Rhys-Jones at St. George's Chapel, Windsor Castle. In, in 1999, and they didn't have political invitees ever. Okay, so besides all that, it also seems like 
There's been some developments since we talked to Carolyn about the the guest list. There's been rumors swirling that Prince Harry is inviting his ex-girlfriends. They are supposedly confirmed. I don't know about that. Like, what would you do? I would lose my shit. I don't want anybody at my wedding who slept with the groom. Maybe not even made out with. Like, you can stay outside. You can be with the general public shaking my hand, watching me wave from a carriage. Like, you're not coming in here. Kensington Palace also recently confirmed that after much back and forth between... uh, Will she, won't she? Will she, won't she? Meghan Markle's dad will be at the wedding and he will walk her down the aisle. So we know that much. But I mean, like, there's been a ton of controversy around this wedding with their family. It kind of seems like... If you think your family is weird, it's nice to know that royals, they're just like us. It it really is. First of all, my thoughts are Doria walks her down the aisle, that's her mother, or I burn this place to the ground mm-hmm. because ain't no way that somebody who's been living in Mexico off the grid is going to step up now when his daughter's become a princess and walk her down the aisle. Do you think that he will bail at last minute? No, I don't think he will. I'm hoping, this is my secret hope, that it's both parents walking down the aisle. Oh, that would be wonderful. That would be like the best compromise. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're getting in with the dad so he doesn't sell your shit to the tabloids. But, you know, mom is still there because I feel like her and her mom are really, really tight. But yeah, I mean, the latest that we had was her half-brother Thomas, who's been in jail for like putting a gun to someone's head, writing that massive open letter to In that Touch. That was so uncomfortable. I mean... That reminded me of something I would write my grade nine boyfriend. (laughs) Which, on another podcast, we're going to go into that love story. (laughs) If you love great love stories, listen to Hillary's grade nine romance. I hope he doesn't listen to this. He'll throw something at my mom's car. (laughs) (laughs) But that letter was basically saying that Prince Harry needed to call off the wedding. This would be the biggest disaster in royal history. And he actually addressed it, dear Prince Harry, you know, not Harry, not Henry. Not my, my dude, my dog. Yo. Yo. No, it was just, uh, dear Prince Harry, please call off the wedding. So it looks like if we needed any more proof that Meghan's family was a little messy, this is it. We talked to Carolyn Harris about uh, the controversy around Meghan Markle's family. And she said that having that kind of weird uncle or cousin or brother as a royal is not actually all that uncommon. It's interesting that there there seems to be more confidence in Meghan Markle's parents being present than her, her half-siblings. She has a number of half-siblings who she's not close to and who have spoken quite openly to the press, which is really a, a no-no in, in terms of being close to the royal family. But for the royal family, having some embarrassing relatives who aren't invited to the wedding, <laughs> this isn't a it's new concept. New. <laughs> in terms of when the Queen and Prince Philip married, they both had close relatives who were not invited. In the future Queen Elizabeth II's case, it was her uncle, Edward VIII, and Wallace Simpson. They were left off the guest list. And in Prince Philip's case, he had four older sisters, three of whom were alive at the time of the wedding, and they were not invited as they were married to German princes, some of whom had been involved in the Nazi party during World War II. So that was seen as politically contentious. And and, and so we see uh, Prince Philip's family being represented by his Mountbatten cousins at the wedding that the best man was David Mountbatten. 
Mountbatten, Pamela Mountbatten was a, was a bridesmaid, but but the sisters married to German princes were not invited. So so sometimes Meghan Markle's embarrassing family gets a lot of press coverage, but it, but we look at royal weddings past, we do sometimes see siblings or aunts and uncles being left off ro- royal guest lists uh, for for a variety of of both personal and political reasons. Should we talk about Jamal? Yeah, I think we I think we have to acknowledge the uh tiny woman in the room. <laughs> so, for those who don't know who Jessica Mulroney is, she's been making a lot of headlines as the alleged maid of honor for the wedding, but Kensington Palace confirmed there's going to be no maid of honor. Who knows if Jessica Mulroney will still go to the wedding? I I can't see how she wouldn't. Megan and her have been really good friends for a lot of years, and she also styles Megan. So I would find it really weird if her and uh, Ben yeah. didn't get a seat at the 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 reception. I can see um, the Mulroney's children being in the wedding. I mean, I live for Ivy on that Instagram. Do their, you? Their daughter. I like her. I think she's got wild little hair and beautiful eyes. What more do you want in a child? But what about the actual royal children? Do you think they get to mix with these like peasants? Pl- I was going to say plebs, but peasants also works. These potato, potato. Potato, potato, tomato, potato. That's right. Um, <laughs> do these little little kids get a kind of a part in the, the wedding like we that we've only really seen the little royals get in the past? You know, I think that they might because Ben uh, Mulroney does have a link to, you know, a certain pedigree in Canada. His father was a, pr- a previous prime minister. So I think and that... And he's also hosted Canadian Idol. <laughs> yeah, there's that. And he's the host of a Canadian entertainment style TV show. Um, I'm going to more push the political linkage links <laughs> to him as getting him in, in there. But I think that if you believe all of the stories, Ben and Jessica were really integral to hiding the relationship between Harry and Meghan. Yeah, they apparently had dinner, like they would have their dates at Jess and, Jess and Ben. They're my, Jess my and own ben. personal friends. <laughs> they would have their dates at Jess and Ben's house because they didn't want the paparazzi to kind of like follow them around in the uh, the initial days. That's also what I do on dates. I, I have my dates at Jessica Mulroney's home. <laughs> Well, I've been yet to be invited, but, you know, when I was dating people, they just invited me over for, I think that was called a date, but (laughs) they didn't spend any money on me, so whatever. They did have a lot of flock, I think. Oh, man. You gave up chicken. Chicken every day. For the rest of your life. So is he single? Let's check that out. I need that chicken money. (laughs) Give me that flock money. He is he is Toronto royalty. That is our royal chicken guy. Chicken guy. <laughs> Speaking of food, lemon elderflower cake. So some of the women in our offices actually went to a tasting here in Toronto for uh, you know the cake that Harry and Meghan are, are going to be having. So it is a lemon elderflower cake, which sounds like it's from Harry Potter, uh, meant to incorporate the bright flavors of spring. The dessert is supposed to be covered in buttercream mm-hmm, and decorated with fresh flowers. No, thank you. I don't want the flowers, but I'll take that Listen. buttercream all damn day. So apparently the royal tradition is a fruitcake. So already we're upgraded. Yes. You would see me finger deep in buttercream icing, just leaving like licked tops because that cake sounds disgusting. I'm going to take this back 
a notch to my own personal taste when it comes to a wedding cake and that I don't want one. I want a meat platter with cheese around the sides created into a cake shape. Like a bunch of sausages in little rounds, cheese drizzled on top. That's what I want. But that's just me. Meat stuffed with meat. Yes. Stuffed with meat. With cheese on top. With cheese on top. Yeah. In lieu of icing. Are you on Atkins? I've thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly... I love a good wedding cake. Like, don't give me a cupcake. Don't you dare skip me out of a cupcake. Don't even give me a trendy-ass donut platter cake. I want chocolate with chocolate and more chocolate. I'll settle for a marble, but if you hand me elderflower, I'm leaving. I'm taking my toaster, and I'm out the goddamn door. That aside, I'm sure you would be a great royal wedding guest. I would be a great guest. Do you know who's not a great guest? Who? Fergie. Yeah, well, we all kind of saw that coming. I mean, so for those of you at home, Fergie apparently, and we're talking about the royal. Thank you for stipulating. Not the uh, Fergalicious. Duchess. Duchess. That other duchess. The pea pants duchess. (laughs) We're talking about the red hair duchess, not the pea pants duchess. Thank you. She apparently has not, she's gotten a wedding invite but she's not been invited to the kind of elusive reception that Prince Charles will host later on, which has like 250 of your closest friends. Right. You know, another thing very comparable to my wedding that I'll have. Yeah. Um, I mean, for Fergie, it's kind of it's kind of like preemptively taking away the microphone from the drunk uncle. She's kind of a loose cannon. She's always yo-yo dieting on Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers or whatever that thing is. You're doing it because she is your cousin's mother, but maybe just leaving it at that. Apparently, though, Eugenie and her sister Beatrice do get an invite to the reception, which kind of adds another level of, ugh. I definitely think that they should, though, because Princess Eugenie, well, she lives at Kensington Palace. You know, she is getting married. There's a lot of photos of them hanging out. It'll be like, you know... Kate and Will, and then Meghan and Harry. And then in the back, it's like, untagged photo, Princess Eugenie. Beatrice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everyone just forgets. She lifts right out. But no Fergie. No Fergie. But someone else we can count to be there. Maybe the Spice Girls? If the Spice Girls are at the royal wedding, I will lose my fucking mind. It's too British for me. <laughs> It's very, okay, how do you feel about celebrity entertainment at a wedding? I don't like it. Who Who's saying at Will and Kate's wedding? Ellie Goulding? Still, I'm not like super into like the modern songstress does like a royal wedding. I just think it's, it's kind of weird. There's so much pomp and circumstance. Like there's a lot of just tradition around it all. So it seems weird to me to get kind of like a modern pop star to just come on down. Totally. And I think... One of the things with celebrities at, I mean, this is already, I don't really even know if anybody could overshadow Harry and Meghan, but sometimes it can make it all about them. Like, you know that if the Spice Girls performed, it would be like their first performance in years. Someone's going to grab their cell phone and take a video. And that is a big no-no, as we found out from doing our research on royal weddings. You don't post your own photos. There's not going to be like a Harry and Meghan forever hashtag. You leave your cameras at home and basically just wait till they're sold to like OK Magazine or something. This is another thing that a lot of people are wondering. Who the hell is paying for all this? 
it, it apparently cost 42 million pounds. Is that right? Something Which like that. Which is like, whatever the whatever the cost is, it's about 10 million more than Will and Kate's, which like... That confuses me because if I was Will, and I mean, sure, maybe there's been a bit of inflation in the past seven years, but if I was Will and my little brother who was constantly nude and Wore doing a Nazi, doing I was gonna say doing some Hitler stuff, um, and he got a bigger budget for his wedding to a peasant, yeah, I wouldn't be too pleased. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I definitely think we have to take in account for uh you know, inflation. Another thing is the venue is insular. It's in a very small town. And so it's it's kind of, it's not as, well, the security is what the main cost is for these royal weddings. We talked to Carolyn Harris again about who's going to be paying for this. And she has a surprising answer. Well, a variety of sources. In a sense, they're getting married in the grandparents' residence that the queen has use of Windsor Castle as a, as a state residence, as the monarch. And it is particularly convenient with the queen and Prince Philip, particularly with Prince Philip recovering from hip surgery, for the wedding to be taking place in St. George's Chapel, Windsor Castle. So the queen, in a sense, is providing the venue. Uh, Prince Charles, who has his own income from the Duchy of Cornwall, that's been the heir to the throne's income since the reign of Edward III. He's going to be providing a, a reception in the evening for guests, for, for a selected group of guests, and there's going to be a wedding breakfast hosted by the Queen. The Queen also has private income uh, through the Duchy of Lancaster. So there's a difference in terms of royal finances between both the Queen and Prince Charles have private income from the Duchy of Lancaster and the Duchy of Cornwall, respectively. And then we see income from the Crown Estates, which is managed by the state, and, the, and that's what t- what pays for I- expenses related to Commonwealth tours or other royal engagements or other aspects of royal life related to the office of the monarch. So we see that the Queen and Prince Charles are contributing. Where there's public expenditure tends to be in terms of security for a big event of this kind, that, that there's going to be something like 100,000 people descending on Windsor, it, hoping to catch a glimpse of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle in in, in the carriage a, after the wedding ceremony. So so that's often where there's public expenditure in terms of when you have a big public event of this kind that there's security necessary for other royal weddings. There's there's sometimes a a bank holiday as well, which which creates costs as well. Though it's interesting in royal history, times when a day off hasn't been provided, such as for the future King George V when he married Queen. Mary in 1893. A day off wasn't provided, but the press at the time noticed that everyone just seemed to take the day off anyway <laughs> in, order to, to, in order to celebrate the royal wedding. So that's where sometimes there can be costs of people taking time off work to celebrate or for or, or the, the security. But in terms of the venue and the, and the reception, we're going to be seeing the Queen and Prince Charles contributing there. But that's a valid concern because if I was a British taxpayer... I would not be pleased to see how big or how much money this is costing. No, totally. It's we've seen, especially on in in the comments of a lot of articles we write. It's kind of like the British royals are kind of sucking the teat of humanity. Like they don't really do anything anymore. They don't have a purpose, but they're still getting everything paid for everything. Mm, yeah. I did air quotes um, by taxpayers, but like. 
Come on. I think, you know, we have read some articles as well that the amount of money that Harry and Meghan or this royal wedding is going to bring into the economy far outweighs. It's like it's basically like five times the cost of the wedding, which they're estimating people to bring in, which I totally get because then they're going to, you know, put her put her dress on exhibit. They're going to do royal tours. People are going to want to go and see where Harry and Meghan live. I totally get it. That's a valid concern that you don't want to pay or you don't want to fund this wedding. But I do think, and maybe this is because we're across the pond, I think that they do represent something about the UK, like something whimsical, something magical, especially being from Canada. You're like, oh, that's where our history is. But I'd be right pissed if I, number one, didn't get the day off work. And number two, I'm paying for it. No, thanks. I think that was a pretty good first episode. Yeah, it was tight as hell. If you want to hear more from Make It Rain, we're going to have a new episode for you every week. And uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, too, so you get that uh, fresh content. And if you want to watch the live stream of the Royal Wedding, log on to Yahoo Canada bright and early on Saturday, May the 19th, and we'll see you there. Bye. Bye. Was it Balmoral or Sand- Sandringham? Sandringham. Okay, let me just rhyme this back. Well, well, well. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.